Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, back in the summer of 1981, okay, let me ask a question. How many of you weren't born yet? Okay. All right, sounds like ancient history. Back in the summer of 1981, um, we were in the process of thinking about moving up here. I had another year of school to do. Uh, and uh, remember the Honda I showed you last week on the screen? Remember that? Well, I worked for Bass Pro Shops at the time in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, we had just moved from their original location into their big one that they have now. And, and helped them. But they sent, you know, they would deliver boats around the country. And I, I went and talked to them and found out and they would pay 50 cents a mile which back then, that was pretty good money for us, right? So I figured, how can I finance this trip to come up here to New England and visit the pastor here? And, and so I hauled a boat behind that Honda Civic <laughs> to Rome, New York, from Springfield, Missouri. I helped pay for the, I got $600 for doing it. Anyway, but so uh, we were up here visiting, and um, we're driving around this Honda, and we went to Boston one day. Okay, we went to Boston, and um, I learned something about New England that was different from where I came from in Missouri, and that's the street signs. Go ahead and go to that next street sign if you want. Okay, so they got street signs like this, but what you notice, this tells you what street you're, you're crossing. It doesn't tell you what street you're on. <laughs> I can't believe how many places in New England, especially in Boston, you drive along, and there's only... And, and we didn't know where we were. They didn't have GPSs at the time. And we're trying to figure out on a map, what street are we on? Well, not that. I mean, and so this is the way street signs were. I remember in, in Boston, too, we were driving. I don't know. We got on route two. We were trying to go here. Next time we go back out here. And I came back in the city another way and then went back out here. And it was just a disaster. But the idea of not having these clear street signs was just a puzzle to me. It's still a after the church, if you know why, would you share it with me why they do that? Save money? They aren't concerned about that anywhere else, so I doubt it. Um, but one good thing about God and his word is that his street signs are very clear. The things that we need to know and understand, he has spoken very, very clearly about. And, and that's what we've started talking about a couple of weeks ago in this passage in, in the book of Philippians. And, and we saw last week the street sign that points two directions. One way is toward flesh, and the other way is toward Christ. And in our Christian lives, we discover that there's really only one, you only go one direction or the other. There is no other in between. You're either moving towards Christ or you're moving toward the flesh. Now, uh, we probably have a number of you in here who weren't here the first couple of weeks when we talked about this. So just let me just step back and do a little review so you can be ready to, to go with this today. When the Bible's talking about flesh, on occasion it means what we think of flesh, flesh and blood, right? On occasion. But when it's talking about spiritual things and it starts talking about the flesh, it's not talking about flesh and blood anymore. It's talking about us operating independently of God, doing our own thing. Whether it looks like a good thing or a bad thing, it's not a God thing, okay? And so what we did is we pictured here, we set up this side of the stage as the idea of flesh, and we set up this side of the stage as thinking about Christ and knowing Him and, and walking with Him and letting Him govern our lives. 
And so we discover over here in the flesh, <clears throat> we know that there's things that obviously are, are really ugly over here. Like we said, you know, someone who uh, is uh, drunk and lying in the gutter, uh, people who, you know, commit adultery repeatedly, uh, you know, lie, cheat, and steal. I mean, we could, you know, go down the list of things that are flesh. And we all get that. Oh, yeah, that's flesh. But you have to remember, we said that, that the flesh can put on a nice suit, too, can it? And look really nice. And actually, in our passage of Scripture, this is what we read about, the Apostle Paul talking about before he came to Christ, before he got it, that, that life was about Jesus Christ and not about himself, he said, I lived over here in the flesh. And you know what I did? I was the most religious person of all. I kept the rules better than anybody else. I paid attention to every detail Everything was lined up all the way I thought it was supposed to be. But it was what? What's the word? Flesh. And he says, when I finally realized what it was and who Christ was, I realized that that's all garbage. It's wasted. It, it doesn't accomplish anything of eternal purpose. It's, when life is over, that's all going to be gone and it will not have made a difference. On top of which, it hurts me in my pursuit of Christ. It hurts me and damages me trying to become what Christ wants me to be. Now, also just to make it real clear to us, uh, it's in this realm over here, the realm of flesh, that human religion functions. Okay? Human religion. And, and sometimes it's, it's non-Christian religion, and sometimes it's Christian, but with a lot of stuff mixed in it that isn't from the Bible. And so over here, you can be a very religious person. You can say, I believe there's a God, and you can be in the flesh. And you do all these religious things. You can join a church. You can give away money. All these good things. But here's the deal. If you're not yielded to Christ, if your life isn't about Christ and serving Him, then it's a waste. And not only is it a waste, it's damaging to you and works against you. So that is our flesh Spirit contrast. Now what happens over here is that people, by nature, we think, okay, I do believe in a God and I know that I'm not perfect, so i got to try to make up for it. And so they become religious. And they become more religious. And they keep trying to do things to be right with God. You know, go to church faithfully. Uh, go through certain rituals. Uh, do good deeds. But you know, this will never get you to heaven. Because flesh has no spiritual life in it. It's spiritually dead. And it's offensive to God. And so if we live over here and we die this way, then we'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell. Which is why Jesus came, see? Because by the way, this is where we all start, isn't it? You notice that? We all start over here. And so the idea is that we have sinned against God and when we finally acknowledge that, admit it, and believe that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, rose again from the dead, then we can trust him as Savior. And when we do, he no longer holds any of this against us ever again. Now, does every Christian live over here always walking with God? Every Christian over here always doing what Jesus wants them to do? Just follow me around and I'll prove to you that that isn't true. Okay? All of us that way. So we understand this. So we, this is something we're trying to work out of. But we do tend to live over here. And we've got to make decisions to get over there. But what I want you to understand is when you trust Jesus as Savior, even if you're over here and you shouldn't be, he never holds this against you ever again. You're forgiven forever. And then he starts pulling you toward him. 
So that's the good news. But so this is a setup, this idea of flesh and the idea of Jesus Christ, knowing him, knowing him better, growing in that knowledge, letting it change our lives. And you understand too that sometimes we might do the same thing here as we do there. In other words, okay, so I'm married and I have a wife who the Bible says I ought to love the way Christ loved me. Right? But so I'm over here, and I'm, I'm not really thinking I'm just loving her. I'm not thinking about how I'm, why am I really doing it, and am I doing it right, and I'm just kind of not, I'm just bumping along. Or I can be loving her over here and saying, wow, God, thank you for my wife. Help me to love her like you want her to be loved, the way you have loved me. Change my heart toward her. Do you see the difference? It's the same things happen, and one, I'm in a relationship with my wife here, and another, I'm in a relationship with my wife here, but they're two totally different things. That one's a waste, that one's not gonna accomplish God's purpose and plans, that one's actually gonna be detrimental to us. But over here, it isn't. So it's a matter of what's going on in your heart and what your motives are, and what your desires are with respect to God and these things. So, that's review to set up where we're going. So we have very clear, you're either moving toward the flesh or you're moving toward Christ. And either way, I mean, you have to choose. You can't be in between. And so we start to see how ugly and utterly useless the flesh is when it comes to your Christian life. We see that. And, and we realize that that's what we want to be gone. And so we settle it that, that you only want to see flesh in the rearview mirror. We're talking about going on this road trip to life, right? We only want to see flesh in the rearview mirror. And what we want to see is, is where we're headed. We're headed toward Christ, towards something much, much better. And you want that to be filling up your front windshield as you, you make this road trip to life. And so you see that your life needs to be about Christ, that you want it to be about Christ. And the more your life is about Christ, the more thrilled you're going to be to live that life. Well, so how do you do it? What do you do to make sure you're moving in this direction? toward knowing Christ and counting all of those other things as lost or waste or detrimental. Well, that's what we're going to focus in on today as we continue to look at what Paul, what the Lord led Paul to write to the Christians in the city of Philippi and to us here today. So turn in the Bible to Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there should be one there in the pew. And if you'll pick that up and turn to page 1,350, that's where we're starting. We'll be on that page and the next page today. Page 1,350. We really encourage you to follow along with us. So, the first part of this chapter, Paul talked about all his flesh. And then the second, part, the second set of verses we looked at, he talks about how, oh, he's, he's given all that up for Christ. Now he talks about how we get there, starting in verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't made it and got a hold of what I'm supposed to yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Let's, let's think this way. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And so how are we going to live this life, this, this turning from the flesh and turning for, to Christ and, and growing in our relationship with Christ and letting it change our lives? How do we do that? Well, it shows up in here twice. In verse number 12, the middle of the verse, he says, but I press on. I press on. And then down in verse number 14, I press toward. I press toward. Now, it's the same word translated in both of those places. What does it mean? Well, it means to pursue. To pursue something, to go after it. It can be literally physically pursuing or figuratively pursuing. But what's really interesting to me here is that it, it also, by implication, came to me mean to persecute. Now, we aren't looking to persecute Christ or persecute ourselves. But when somebody's persecuting somebody, what are they doing? They are going after them, and they have no intent of letting up. And so this is what this idea of pursuing includes here. And we have a... Um, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever even seen them up here. Maybe I have. Does anybody have... Or do we have June bugs up here? So a lot of you don't even know what June bugs are, but we do have some. Not very many. Not like in Missouri. June bugs are like little beetles that fly. <laughs> About that big. That big. Anyway, it was my wife that said that. And the reason is because she's still terrified today of June bugs because the kids, the little boys, used to chase her across the playground and throw June bugs in her hair. Oh. Still today, if, if one falls on her, she's screaming, we're, we're, you know. It's like me and spiders, okay? But there's a saying. When somebody's after something, going out, you say they're doing it like a duck on a June bug. Because a duck sees a June bug, it will not stop until it gets it. It goes after it. It is going to eat it. And that's the way we need to be when it comes to pursuing Christ and, and this change we're talking about. Turning away from a duck on a June bug. Uh, there's a movie back in 1969, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And, and once again, that was way before a lot of you were born. And the picture doesn't show up, so it's kind of dim. But there was a line that, that showed up here, here five or six times in the, the film. They, they were bank robbers. They were running away. And a posse was after them. And usually they could get away. They could get away. It didn't matter. But... Every time they looked back over the horizon, here came this posse. Who are these guys? And again, and again, and again, and they never let up. They kept following him. That's what we need to be with Christ, toward him. We're not letting up. We're not letting up today, not tomorrow. The next day we are pursuing him without stopping. And so we're talking about press on, press on. One thing I do, I'm pressing toward, okay? And so this is what he's trying to communicate. So how are we going to then get from here to there? Actually, it's actually keeping going in that direction. You have to focus your life on where you're going. You have to focus your whole life on it. You need one huge focus in your life, and it needs to be 
the Lord Jesus Christ. That needs to color every other aspect of your life. Not where you're at, not where you've come from, but where you are going, toward Christ, toward spirit, toward eternity, like a laser focus. Now, if you've, if you've ever been an adult driving a car on a trip with kids in the back seat, you've heard this question asked, what is it? There you go. Are we there yet? Right? Well, Paul answers this question here in verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. I haven't made it yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not done yet. In the beginning of verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. And so if we're going to have this focus, one of the things we have to, to come to grips with is that where I am right now is not where I want to be. I'm not there yet. And how long will you be saying this? Until you breathe your last. You're going to say, I'm not there yet. I've got to grow. I've got to keep pursuing. But what happens if all of a sudden you think you are there? What will you do? If you think you have a ride, what will you do? You'll stop pursuing. And you can't do that. Because this whole thing is about an ongoing pursuit. We can make tremendous progress, but it is a lifelong process, and that's okay. So where I am right now is not where I want to be. The second thing that we see is that where I'm coming from is also not where I want to be. Where I'm coming from. Look there in verse 13. So he says, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Talking about living in the past. By the way, you can't really live in the past, but you can live with your focus on the past. When you live in the past, it, it will discourage you, it will deceive you, and it will detour you from where you need to be. There are a bunch of you here today that have really hard past. I mean, you've had stuff happen in your life that was done to you. You've had stuff happen in your life that you did that created all sorts of problems. And it's very, very hurtful. And I guarantee you that if you focus on the past when it comes to those things, and, and you let that be your focus instead of Christ and going forward, if you let that be your focus, you're going to get discouraged. And, and you know what the enemy is going to whisper to you? You're never going to make it. In fact, you're not even worth it. And so you've got to forget those things. And by the way, this word forget doesn't mean gone out of memory because you can't forget, right? Is that true? You find yourself, you can't forget things? doesn't mean that. The root meaning behind this word forget is to neglect. In other words, yeah, you got the memory, but you're not focusing on it. You're turning away from that. That's not going to be what your focus is. So he says we have to forget those things which are behind. And if they're really bad, hurtful things, and you focus on them, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to beat yourself up. You're going to lose hope. And what you focus on will determine which direction you're heading. So you have to forget those things which are behind. And not only the, the bad things, but how about all the good-looking stuff over here? All the achievements that everybody patted you on the back for, but it wasn't about Christ. 
Well, if you buy into focusing on those things and building your life around them, you've been deceived. Not going to work. Because it's garbage. You remember, valued by the world, but wasted when it's viewed from an eternal perspective. It's a counterfeit, and it robs us of God's best. So you've got to forget those things which are behind. Now, what about those really good spiritual things? Those Christian achievements. I mean, real, really spiritual things that you did for Christ and you pursued Christ. And, and the results were good in your life. You need to forget those things too in this sense. If you let those be your focus, you get back to that, hey, I made it mindset. And you haven't. So even those good things, you can't let them be your focus. They can provide a great foundation to keep going on, but if you don't let them motivate you to keep going on, they will sidetrack. You know, it's like a train. Comes down to where it's supposed to be going and it gets off on a sidetrack and eventually can't go anywhere. So you have to not be focused on those things. And so if life is pretty easy and comfortable and you're settled down in it, you got to get out of your comfort zone to follow Christ. And I guarantee you, when you take this pursuit of Christ seriously, I need to know him, I need to walk with him, I need him to fill my life, I need him to lead me in life, I need him to, to work through my life, all those things, and you are pursuing this, it will take you out of your comfort zone. You will find your times when you will be stretched and not comfortable. You'll be blessed, but you won't be comfortable. So let me ask you this today, because a lot of us have been Christians for a long time. I'm not asking for a show of hands. This is an evaluation question for you. How many of you have been more spiritual in the past than you are today? You've been more surrendered in the past than you are today. You've been more committed in the past than you are today. You've been more involved in serving than you are today. You've been more involved in witnessing than you are today. You see how that, that gets you? If that's the case, then you need to say, maybe I need to get out of my comfort zone, forget those things which are past, and, and, and start moving toward Christ again. Let's look at verse 13 again, the last phrase in it. He says, he said, Not, I haven't apprehended, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Reaching forward. It's this conscious reaching forward that's going to provide you with a framework in which to make your decisions in life. Okay, so you need to ask this question. Anytime you're faced with a decision, say, will this decision move me forward in my pursuit of Christ? Will this decision help me to know him more, to know him better, to, to serve with him? Will this decision help me to let him be known through me? Will this be something that grows me in a way that pleases him? Will this be something that prepares me to serve him more effectively? Will this decision be some, a way that I can honor him and, and show that he is good, powerful, and faithful in my life? Will it move me forward? We don't tend to think of our decisions that way. We tend to think of, oh, do I have time to do this? We tend to think of, well, what's the money involved? We tend to think of, how might this affect my relationships? But we need to be thinking is, how will this enable me to do and become what Christ wants me to do? Now think of this. When you go on a road trip, and I know some of you will never eat at McDonald's. Some of you. Most of us have. 
right? Sometimes you're on a road trip, it makes sense. So you got to, you're driving down the road and you've got to stop at McDonald's, okay? Because Go ahead and go to that slide if you would. All right, so you're on a road trip and, and, and you're pulling in the parking lot to McDonald's and somebody says, why are we going to McDonald's? I thought we were going on this trip. Why are we stopping here? Well, you can answer this. We say, well, because I'm tired of the trip and I'm giving up. And we're stopping at McDonald's for that. <laughs> but you could say, I'm tired of the trip. I'm, I, I give up. I quit. Or you might say, because you love being at McDonald's much more than you love being on the road because you have such good memories of McDonald's that you just want to hang out there. Or maybe it's because you remember how bad McDonald's was in your past and you just want to stop and spend some time to see if it's bad as you remember. <laughs> but if you're really on this road trip and you're going someplace, the answer is this. You stop at McDonald's for a while so that you can keep moving on down the road. And so that's the way we need to look at our lives, see? Why am I doing this? Is it actually because I'm on the road, I'm, I'm pursuing Christ? Is that why I'm doing this? We're talking about evaluating the choices you're making in your life. Why are you doing it? Why are you not doing it? Now, you know, none of us have thought of everything in our lives this way. I mean, you know, we have to, to grow and work through this thing, but we do need to evaluate what we're doing. You know, what we're investing our lives in to ask, is this part, is this part of continually heading toward Christ? Is this part of the ongoing process of getting to know him better and better and better, of letting him be known, all those things, or is it flesh, just a waste? Is this something I really need to turn away from? Well, just to give you some examples of areas you need to think about this in your life, you need to think about it when it comes to your career choices. And this is either the one that you're already in or the one that you're headed toward. And you need to say, can I do things in this career that really matter, things that honor God? And if I can't, I probably ought to... Seek a career that I can. You know, what do I have to sacrifice to succeed in this career? I, can't, I cannot do something that's going to sacrifice my walk with Christ. So careers. How about your children's activity choices, the things that you choose to do in your family and invest your time and effort in? You need to ask the question, what is this teaching my children about Christian priorities? How, how is this choice preparing my children to be faithful, God-honoring servants of Christ? Is this strengthening them in their walk with God or is it pulling them away from their walk with God? It needs to be about Christ, not the flesh. Your financial choices. Uh, this might involve where do you live? What kind of house do you live in? How much does it cost you? Is this house that you've chosen to live in a good tool for us to use for God's purposes? Is, is this house located where we can consistently and effectively connect with our church family? Does this house serve us and Christ, or do we serve it? Do we serve our house? Or the cars we buy, how does this impact our ability to follow Christ faithfully? And, and we need to ask the question, when is enough enough? So financial choices. And then there are relationship choices that affect us. You know, our love relationships, our friend relationships. Teens, this is so important for you because your, your choices of, of where you invest your life here and where you go with relationships is going to affect so, so much. And you'd ask, is this relationship helping me to pursue Christ? Is it a way for me to do this? And if it's not, don't enter into it. 
Now, this kind of evaluation is kind of intense, isn't it? I mean, could we just keep the list going? Couldn't we just keep going down the list? And it starts to get, man, there's so much to think about. This is way too intense, this, this one focused approach to life. And it is. But then I want you to get this. God tells us to chill out about it. To chill out about it. Look in verse 15. He says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, so when we have this mature understanding we're talking about, have this mind, think this way, the way we've been talking about, okay, I need to value it, I need to choose Christ, all those things. But he says, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Chill out. <laughs> so you can go home today and you can tell your friends you work with or whatever. Say, I can't believe I'm at the church and the pastor said, God says, chill out. But he does, because here's the deal. If your heart, if you've settled in your heart that this is where I'm going, I'm going toward Christ. I'm turning from the flesh and I'm going toward Christ. Don't worry about getting every detail right. God's going to work in your life. And he's going to show you. He will show you. So you can relax about that. And then just to encourage you, you, you don't have to do this alone. We're in this together, aren't we? Are we in this together? We are. In verse 16, that's what he says. Nevertheless, the degree we've already attained. In other words, what we've done well, let's hang on to it. But let us... Together walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let's, let's do this together. You're not alone in this. Now, you, you alone can make the decision to move in this direction. Nobody else can make it for you. You alone can choose to say, wow, I, I have sinned against God. I need a Savior. I'm going to trust Jesus. You alone can make that decision. Nobody else can make it for you. But once you set your heart on these things and make that decision, you are not alone. You're not alone. You have fellow travelers who will be there with you to encourage you. Your church is so special. Do you realize that? Your church is so valuable, so important to you in this process. And so jump in. If you haven't already, jump in. Jump in the deep end in your church and be get connected. Well, anybody notice that we've missed something in this passage? I slipped right by on you. What about verse 14? Well, I say to the last because its message is crucial to our ability to get where we're going on this road trip to life, the life that we'll be thrilled to live. So let me read verse 14 again. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, as I worked on this message, it hit me. This, wow, this sounds like just a, this could almost be a self-help, uh, psychological kind of thing. Focus in life, right? Focus, ask the right questions. Do this, you'll get ahead, you'll make... Pro but it's not about that. In fact, if you approach life that way, where are we? We're over here, what? Flesh. We're talking about this pressing toward. We're talking about having this one major focus in life that governs everything because we're moving toward Christ. You see that? See the difference? It's not about making your life better. It's about making your life about Jesus. That's what we're talking about. 
And so you cannot lose sight of what the focus is supposed to be. So here's the question. Why am I pursuing this one focused way of life? Why? Why am I pursuing this? I mean, it, it, it's a, a way of life. If, if the way of life is the goal, then I'm choosing the wrong thing. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not the end in and of itself. But when you begin to, to take this seriously and you begin to experience this goal becoming a reality in your life, you win the prize. What's he said? I press forward to the goal for the what? The prize. The award. This is something worth winning. This prize, which he says is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's experiencing what you've never experienced before with God. It's been him working through you in ways that you've never been able to have him do before. It's this amazing growth. It's about knowing Jesus the way God has called you to know him. Which is a call he extended to you. It's about knowing Jesus in a way that transforms every part of your life in amazing ways that are hard to comprehend when you're not there. But they're true. They're there. It's knowing Jesus in a way that settles your heart, settles your, settles your heart down no matter what's going on in life around you. And it's knowing Jesus in a way that fills your heart with his big dreams for your life. Filling you up. Dreams that will glorify God mightily when he brings them to pass through your life. So what do you choose today to do about the Spirit's challenge to us through Paul to adopt this one focused approach to life? You know, your response, your heart response here today will tell you how much Jesus is worth to you. See, I want to hang on to this. Okay, then that's worth more to you than knowing him. Or do you say, no, Knowing him is what I want. And yeah, I get confused and bad, but I want Christ. What is he worth to you? And I challenge you to conclude this, what Paul said last week, if by any means, if there's any way, Jesus is worth knowing in these ways. He's worth whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Bow your heads and let's just close our eyes and a couple last things to say before we pray. Let me encourage you and challenge you to surrender your life to the Lord today, whatever that means you need to do. If it means you need to trust Jesus as Savior and you don't know how to do that, let us know. We'll help you. Whatever the decision, surrender to your, yourself to this awesome, amazing journey of knowing Christ and experiencing his life in your life. And remember, the Lord will keep you on the road. We will be in it together. You will never regret it. So what do you say? I say, let's go for it. You with me? Yeah. Let's go for it. Father, thank you that you knew us before you ever even created the world. You knew we would be flesh and, and turn against you and do our own thing and need a Savior. And you loved us so much, you purposed to send your Son to die for our sins and rise again from the dead, that we might trust him as Savior for forgiveness of sins and the transformation of our lives. Thank you that you worked in our lives to help us see it. Thank you you've spoken to us from your word, the things we need to see and understand. And I pray, Father, that each of us here today, wherever we're at in this process, will say yes to you again.
maybe yes for the first time. And we ask you to change us and, and keep us on this road, Father. And we do ask you to keep your promise that we saw here today that in the ways we're missing it, show us so we can make the change. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.